The Brewers Association and Craft Beer Radio present Savor 2015, an American craft beer and food experience from Washington, D.C. This salon was from Saturday, June 6th. Savor Collaboration Beer, presented by Heavy Seas Beer and Yards Brewing Company. Welcome first to Savor, uh, which is an amazing event, but you guys have found yourself to one of the really special places within Savor, uh, which are the salons, where you get A, this more intimate setting, uh, B, close interaction with um, two amazing brewers uh, today from Yards and Heavy Seas, um, and, and second, uh, or and last, um, some beers that may not be available on the floor, so we're going to build up to uh, the collaboration beer that you will get as a take-home gift, so make sure when you leave that you actually... Um, get your beer at the end of the night. Um, a couple of housekeeping notes before I introduce uh, Chris and Tom. Um, um, so you're going to be getting beers throughout. Um, if you like one and want more, uh, we're going to use a number system. So we're going to have five beers, and if you just hold up, you know, one, two, three, four, um, our very helpful servers will pour you more of those beers. Um, you do have dump buckets if there's something you don't like or if you're pacing yourself because there are a few more beers down there. Um, last housekeeping note is that these are being recorded for those who aren't as lucky as you to be here in person by craftbeerradio.com. So if you have a question, and, and um, Tom and Chris have said that it's great to ask questions throughout, um, make sure you get a mic before you ask that so that it makes it onto the recording. Um, all right, without further ado, we have Chris Leonard and Tom Kehoe. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming out to our little talk here in the salon. Uh, first beer you're getting is uh, uh, Heavy Seas Powder Monkey Pale Ale, and uh, this beer um, is a good start for us on this this little Heavy Seas Yards journey we're, we're taking here, uh, because it, it really has a British heritage. Uh, this beer used to be for Heavy Seas um, a little more American in style. We used to use an American yeast and some American hops, and knowing that we were going to head into the direction of, of producing a session IPA that's American style which we'll taste uh, shortly, um, we started, <laughs> I started, um, changing the recipe and uh, we employed an, an English yeast and all uh, hops from the UK. So there's, there's a target hops, uh, which are very earthy, um, some fuggle hops, actually a lot of fuggle hops, which give you sort of that herbaceous tea-like quality. And um, the beer is uh, a good amount of uh, British malt as well. So it's, it's a little fruity from the, uh, the esters, from the, the fermentation, the, Brit the English malt, or yeast strain, rather. Uh, gives it quite a fruity nose, and it's 4.8% alcohol. It's, it's a beer that we, uh, we sell quite a bit of, and we put a lot of this beer in Firkins. So it's a cast-conditioned uh, leader for us. Uh, Loose Cannon's our biggest seller, our, our IPA, but, but this is right now our second best-selling beer. And uh, we own, I think, 650 firkins now. We, we sell about 100 firkins a month. Uh, right now, 120, I think, so a month so far this year. And this, is, this beer lends itself really well to cast conditioning and uh, drops bright, it's nice and crystal clear uh, on a hand pump. And uh, it's a good intro beer for us, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. Cool. Uh, yeah, I, I love this beer, but I guess let's, uh, before I start talking about uh, Philly Pale, which is our second beer. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the brewery, then I'll throw a brewery back to him, just because we need to let you guys know who we are, just in case you don't. So, Tom Keogh, I started Yards in uh, 1994. 
we just had our 20th uh, birthday or anniversary or whatever you want to call it, and it's been absolutely awesome. Of course, it got us a lot of press, things like that. And we started making on a really small system, a three-barrel system in Maniunk. Uh, all we did was English ales and cast condition ales when we first started. And it's kind of what I grew up liking, and the idea was to make beer that you like. And my, my thought was, if, if I can't finish it all, somebody else will. And, you know, it was kind of brewed for us, in a sense, you know, what we really liked. Uh, going from there, we, you know, got bigger, added more things. Now we're actually at, a, uh, I guess we're doing about 43,000 barrels on Delaware Avenue in Philadelphia. And it's our fourth location in Philly. We don't have four locations, but it's the fourth time we've grown. So we're, uh, we've been there for seven and a half years, and we're probably going to grow out of it in the next two or three years. So we're, we're growing, and it's great, and we're having a blast. We're doing cast things, all that kind of stuff. So it's uh, a lot of fun. We try to do things that are good for the environment. We're 100% wind power, all these cool things about the brewery. If you're in Philly, please stop by for a tour. We have a tasting room that's open every day from noon to seven, so. And, and I, I'll, I'm gonna tell you a few things about yards also <laughs> before, I, before I tell you about heavy seas. Um, I, I'm from Philadelphia. Um, I've been in Baltimore as a brewmaster at heavy seas for uh, about a year and a half now. But um, before I was a brewer, back in the 90s, I, I lived in an apartment on uh, Spruce Street, which is in a part of Philadelphia called Society Hill. And there's a, there's a bar that I used to go to quite frequently called the Dickens Inn, and they had uh, British beer on tap. Watney's, Young's, Fuller's, uh, Bass, John Courage, which was my favorite. And I used to spend a lot of time in that bar. And then there was a bar across Headhouse Square that uh, is this little uh, cobblestone street area in Philly. And uh, the bar's called the Arful Dodger, so it was definitely had a British feel to it. And one night I went in there, it was 1995, I think, and I said, what is, you know, what is that thing you guys got back there in the bartender? It's our, it's our beer engine. I said, well, what the, you know, what is that? I, I wasn't into, I wasn't a, a brewer then. He's like, I, I don't know what it is, but you want some? I'm like, yeah, sure, let me have some of that. And uh, I said, you know, it's a little warm, you know, is it supposed to be warm? I, I don't know, you know, he, used to, he had no idea. Um, I said, it seems a little flat too. I said, but damn, it's really tasty. And, and I remember just walking three blocks from my apartment to go to the Arful Dodger to get Yards ESA. I didn't even know what it was called. It was like, it's Yards. They didn't tell you. It wasn't, it wasn't ESA. And at the time, this is 1995, you know, I didn't know from beer styles. I mean, it was, it was Yards. It was Sam Adams. It was whatever, you know, was available. And uh, so, so I go way back uh, with Yards as a consumer and um, have, have kind of come full circle. Um, to get, getting to brew a beer with, with, with Tom and, and his head brewer, Tim, uh, who is a British beer geek also. Uh, in fact, he spent time in London working as a cellarman, if I'm not mistaken. At, at Parsons at the, Green. At the, White, at the White Horse? White Horse, yeah. Right. And uh, so, so when, I, when I, I actually owned a brew pub outside of Philadelphia called the General Lafayette Inn, which is an English uh, bar and brew, brewery, it was built in 1732. So there used to be these cast beer events in Philly, and it was a, a, a brewery called Dock Street where, where Tim Roberts' yards head brewery used to work. And I knew that I could just drop my firkin on Tim, and he would pour it better than I would pour it. 
So you know, some, some bars, you know, today still Republicans don't necessarily know or, or want to deal with cast conditioned beer, but, but Tim's, Tim's a master. So it was, uh, it was, was great to, to have this opportunity. Yeah, we just did an instructional video with Tim in it, so it's uh, pretty good. We're actually trying to, you know, send these out to bars and things like that because cask is really getting popular again, and people are really trying to do stuff. We're trying to get them to be, not make the mistakes that everybody does that makes them lazy. So we're trying to do a little instructional video and everything. So now you've got two guys here that are uh, doing, uh, you know, have had their heart in uh, English ales, so... That's why every single beer here is going to be very sessionable, and you're going to be able to drink it, and you'll probably be able to drink a lot of them. So uh, we have no big monster beers here in this uh, tasting, but hopefully you'll enjoy all of them, and it'll, you'll be refreshed for the drinking of the uh, monster beers when you get back downstairs, because there's a lot of monsters down there. So, <laughs> so this beer from uh, Yards is our Philadelphia Pale Ale. Uh, again, it's a pale ale, a little bit different than the... Uh, Powder Monkey, is that it? Yeah. And uh, the, um, uh, how it's different is uh, a little bit lighter uh, malts in there. Uh, it's pretty much only uh, two-row malt and a little bit of Pilsner malt. And we use our house yeast, which is an, an English yeast. So that's going to lend to a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, residual sugar in there. So it's not going to be bone dry. It's actually going to be pretty, uh, you know, have a little bit of a, middle to it, a little bit of a body, but the big thing about this beer is we loaded it with uh, dry hop. So the prominent dry hop is a hop called Simcoe, which has a big grapefruity uh, nose and uh, very, very hoppy. So it is our number one selling beer, and it's probably about 30% 30, 30 of what we make is the, is the Philly Pale. And it's, we always laugh, it's always, always fresh because it's never more than two, two weeks old, so... <laughs> I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, it is Simcoe. That's the, that's the hop. So, and it's funny. We we started out doing Philly Pale. We had the name, and we were still trying to do a sort of a a common bitter with it, and we wanted to keep it light because people really drink with their eyes, and it's like what it wanted to be to be very appealing in that sense for people that aren't really ready to make that jump into, you know craft beer that is darker and a little bit more aggressive and we just I just we just sort of surveyed everybody at the brewery because what would you like what would you really like in in our light beer and everybody just went talked about make it like this but a little more hop like Sierra Nevada but more hop or like this beer but with more hop and it was just like a theme that just came through it and we're just like okay we're going to make a beer geek hopped Pale ale, or almost like a Coniston's bitter, bluebird bitter, but try to make it, you know, hopped like crazy, and that's where we ended up coming up with the uh, with the Philly Pale. And I just remember it. The first time it we we sold it was in 2004 when I guess the Citizens Bank Park was first built, and they had the All Star break, the All Star game there, and right after that is when it when it came in, and we sold it to everybody. So. It's kind of like our little landmark for that beer. So we're really proud of it, and I hope you guys like it. Anybody have any questions? I mean, you can ask stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Alan Rappaport from Philadelphia. Um, can you just talk about, just sort of break down a few of the main differences between, uh, you know, UK beers and American beers? One's from, no. <laughs> it goes into them, the styles. 
Um, it, you know, really, when you hear the word bitter, uh, the beers really are not that bitter. Um, they're actually, they have a very sweet middle, um, and the hops are, you know, they're, they're present, but they're not overwhelming. I think that's a big difference. Well, the, the ingredients are certainly different. So the in English hops are, um, I don't want to say milder. The flavor profile and aroma profile is much different. English hops tend to be earthy and herbaceous, uh, peppery sometimes. Like Challenger is really peppery, I guess. Um, and then the American hops are, are citrusy and, and really kind of uh, less subtle, a little more uh, in your face, smack you with, with aroma and, and bitterness. Um, so, you know, the balance is different. You know, Americans wanted to... I think, yeah, all American brewers are into this thing where we're, we're trying to hit you over the head with flavor so you'll choose our product, where the British breweries, I mean, two of the brewers could really, you know, just be subtle differences between the same beer. And it's, they're really looking for consistency, flavor, and, uh, you know, something that's very sessionable or very uh, drinkable, very palatable kind of beers. And a lot of... It, British beers historically um, were taxed on their, um, their their malt bill, their grain bill. So it, beers got weaker and weaker, so they could afford to sell them, and uh, that sort of kind of became the norm that a three and a half percent alcohol, ordinary bitter or or mild, um, was a standard beer that folks would drink. But Americans don't want that. Americans want supersize. So. Um, you, <laughs> Give me more hops, give me more malt, give me more alcohol. And uh, uh, the, the differences are, are philosophical, I think, as well as historical. You know, most beer styles sort of developed uh, based upon the ingredients and the water chemistry and, and the yeast strains that were available. English yeast strains are, and, and you'll, uh, you'll be able to notice it, I think, when we taste our next beer, Crossbones, we use what's called Chico American Ale Yeast, and it really accentuates hop flavors. It really brings that hop aroma and hop flavor to the forefront, the English yeasts subdue them a little bit. Um, there's, yeah. there's water, there are water issues too. Uh, English water is, is much harder um, traditionally than, than a lot of breweries. And, and we'll, we'll treat our water uh, accordingly, uh, depending on what beer style we're gonna make. So with this, the powder monkey, we use a lot of uh, calcium sulfate, which is uh, gypsum um, in common vernacular. Uh, and the water in in, in England, especially north of London, is really high in, in calcium sulfate. So we'll, we'll use some of the water chemistry to manipulate the flavor to, to replicate the English beer. So you, you couldn't just make an English beer with American water. I mean, it's different throughout the country, obviously. If you're, making, right. if you're using water in Arizona, it's going to be really hard. And uh, when I was in, outside of Philadelphia at the General Lafayette Inn, um, we were in a town that had a limestone quarry. So the, the water was really high in calcium carbonate, and that made darker beers uh, a lot softer and easier for us to make because it adjusts the pH. Darker malts have a higher acidity level. And uh, so yeah, there, are, there are a lot of uh, inherent ingredients um, and just terroir, really, um, that, that lend to this. So in, in the U.S., we, we do whatever we want, and <laughs> we, 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 we manipulate things. We, we take inspiration from other countries' beer styles, and we take techniques from from them and, and, and manipulate them however we want. And it's just, you know, it's kind of coming full circle now. The Belgians are starting to use American hops. The British are starting to use American yep. hops. And, uh, you know, we're, we're the pioneers now and uh, have been for some time, so. Yeah, it's really great to be copied in countries that have an awesome brewing tradition, so.
it's really neat. Yes. Uh, you, you both have mentioned English traditions and, and inspiration. Is, is any of that derived from uh, you yourselves traveling to, to Britain and, and kind of sampling? I, I, you, know, you mentioned sampling them in, in Philadelphia and, and the bars around there, but actually traveling to England and maybe talking with some of the, the brewers over there for inspiration? Well, it, actually, I've never been to England. And uh, it's definitely on my list, but uh, you know it, it, it's funny. You know, I get beers all the time from there, get everything, and it's just been the style that I've you know fell in love with, and it's kind of you know all I did for a while. My first uh, brewery that I worked for was actually owned by some Brits in, in the U.S., and they were you know they were definitely uh, you know making making British ales, and back then it was just called Amber Beer. That's, that's how long ago it was when they just did Ambers. Brit British beer's just always kind of been around me uh, yeah. growing up as a young adult and as a brewer. Um, and then my, the lead instructor when I was in brewing school was, was uh, Steve Parks, who's from, from, from Britain. So he's an Englishman who uh, kind of gave me my, you know, who I looked up to and his techniques and the things that he espoused to me were, uh, were kind of cool. And... Yeah, I just, I just like the flavor of the beers. I mean, since then, I, I mean, I, I like Belgian beers and I like German beers too, but uh, that's, that's comfort beer to me. It's like, you know, <laughs> it's like going home to have a Bass Ale or something. It's just like, wow, I haven't had this Fuller's in a while and I, I'll, I'll have one. I'll be like, I forgot how much I love this beer. So, uh, in fact, last night I was in Philadelphia for Philly Beer Week at a bar in uh, Washington Square West called uh, Strange Gloves and they had Wells Bombardier on, on cask, and I had two, which may not sound odd, but I never have two of the same beers, because I'm always, what else do you have that I've never had before, because I'm always looking for inspiration, I'm always looking for new flavors and, and, and that sort of thing, but I got that, and it was so spot on, it was so good, and didn't get me schnockered, so I stuck <laughs> to it for a couple pints. So it's just, you know, just taste, I guess, for me. Question. Um, I mean, you could you could you could order one through a local retailer, um, you know, and gravity tap it. Or if you had your own hand pump, you could you could do. I I have my own hand pump. Yeah. 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 I mean, I I don't think we've I've never come across that. I haven't had in my experience anyone ask for. It. I, I had it when I owned the brew pub. I did it for a couple of people. But uh, I, put, I actually made cask conditioned beer for them in a, in a regular keg. So I had a Hoff, uh, an old, old style keg, uh, Hoff Stevens, the ones that look more like a barrel. Um, so they have a bung in the side. So you, I could, you, could make, you could replicate cask beer in that thing. So I had done that in the past, and they actually used a, just a regular picnic pump, hand pump um, to do it that way. But if you were going to get a Firkin, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, it would be an odd request. But... All of our distributors, all well, of our distributors have Firkins in stock. So if a retailer wanted it, whether it was going to be an on-premise account that was at a bar, or wow, this liquor store ordered Firkin, why did they do that? Well, some guy wants to buy a Firkin. So yeah, it's it's doable. Yeah, our situation is we have uh, 
kegs that are cast conditioned. Uh, we use the old Hop Stevens kegs like he was talking about. They're in stock at the wholesalers. But to actually get a firkin, they're almost like special orders or something that's earmarked to go through the wholesalers. I mean, you could go to the, your, your local store. They would order one by the time you got it. It would be you would go through so many jumps and hoops that you're better off just coming to the brewery. We can sell you one, <laughs> and you know we would just you know probably uh, do a background check so we make sure we get our firkin back. But that's about it, you know. But yeah, it's definitely easy to get that if you know just as long as you're planning ahead. Just to walk in there and say like, give me a uh, two sixtles and a firkin it might not work that well. So. <laughs> Can you guys, for two seconds, describe what a firkin is, in case anyone in the room doesn't know that sure. word? Um, basically, a firkin is, it's, a, uh, it's, like a, it's a cask, or it's like, it's like a wine barrel, but it's actually made for beer. Um, nowadays, they're stainless steel, but they have no um, tapping mechanism like a keg does. They're, they're corked on the side and the top with a, a shive and a key, uh, keystone, and one, the one you're actually going to bleed the air off of, which is the, which is the shive, and then the other one's the keystone where you're going to hammer the spigot into and pour from there. Yeah. Anything to add with that? Or? No, I, that's... You, but you one of the great it. things about a firkin is um, a lot of times you'll do the final conditioning in the firkin. Yes. So you're actually going to add, add a little bit of yeast back and a little bit of sugar back, or you're just not going to fully filter the, uh, the beer bright and add a little bit of uh, sugar back, priming sugar, and it'll do a secondary fermentation right inside of the firkin. And it'll be a closed system, so the fermentation is going to take the sugar, turn it into CO2 and alcohol. CO2 is going to have no place to go except get absorbed into, into, the, into the beer. And that's it's not why you're flat. going to it. People so, think it's flat, but it's right. not flat. It's so, undercarbonated. And a lot of times you do these beer festivals with firkins, and they're gushers yes. that shoot up and hit the ceiling and everything, yes. and it's a lot of fun. And, Makes for great photos, but right, it doesn't make for great beer. It just makes for yeah, exactly. And the other great thing about that is you can take whole leaf hops and throw it right into the firkin, yep. which really gives it this awesome dry hop flavor, and it's like a smooth, resiny hop flavor that is probably one of the reasons why we like cask ale right. and uh, English ale so much. And it, and then everyone's unique, so I mean, you can weigh out the hops all you want, but. One's a little different. The uh, the yeast cell count in the in the beer that you're putting in there might be a little higher or lower, so might be a little more carbonated, a little less carbonated, um, and then it'll change with time. So, um, you know, oxygen's bad for beer, but with a firkin, about you know anywhere from 24 to 36 hours after it's been tapped, it, it kind of opens up like a like a like a like a strong wine would, and give you a, just a mellower experience, a much more flavorful thing. In fact, I used to have a patron who was from England who used to tell me that. Um, the guys would call from the pub, you got to get here down now, it's spot on. Right now, it's spot on. You need to come now. And, and they would, you know, go down to their local and, and drink the cast beer right at that, at that moment. And then the other thing to know, the, to, uh, a firkin, we, we call them firkins. Uh, firkin really refers to a specific size cask. It's 10.8 gallons. Um, we do a lot of, well, we get a lot of requests. We deny them quite freely for pins, which is a half a firkin. It's, it's about five and a half gallons. Um, the reason we try not to do them is because we have a really big brewery. Uh, we're gonna make about 48,000 barrels of beer this year and making five gallons is a lot of work in this giant brewery. Um, we understand why people want them. And then uh, a double firkin is called a hogshead, 
which is uh, like 22 gallons, 21 and a half gallons, something like that. I've been pushing our founder, uh, Hugh Sisson, for a year and a half now to get a hogshead. He's, he's still fighting me on it. Um, he's like, why do you want that? And I'm like, I don't know. I just think it'd be really cool to have so we could roll into a beer fest right. with a freaking giant firkin. A hogshead and, and a yeah. linebacker to move right. it. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, uh, so that, that's, that's your firkin story. I used to, I used to tell... I used to use the words employed for for firkins are a little you know a little uh, odd. So you got a bunghole and you got to stick the shive in the bunghole and you got to you got to have this, the the keystone in the front and then you you spile the shive right um, and let it breathe before you pour the firkin. So um, a soft it, spile and a yeah, hard spile. There's a soft. That's right. You have to you have to hard spile it when you're not using it and you soft spile it first to kind of open it up. So. Um, yeah, maybe that's why I like English beer so much. So, British question English. for you guys. Um, given that there's quite a few homebrewers here that have some of the, the beer geek stuff at home, like pins and, and cornies as well, if we bring our own pins, can you top them up for us? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the easiest way. We, and that's one of the things. We, we, we have a lot of bars, like in New Jersey, that we're dealing with that actually own their own pins. Yeah. And they'll be sending them to us, and they, they're painted, and they're yep. all logoed up with that bar and so forth, and we're happy to uh, use the cooperage and everything. To- In fact, our official policy is we only fill pins that do not belong to us. So if, if one of our territory managers, one of the distributors says, we want a pin filled, we'll say, just send us the pin, and, and, and that's, that's how we do it. Yes. Next beer. Next beer. Oh, sorry. Got that. Uh, Crossbone. So, <laughs> so the beer you have here is, uh, you know, I, I, I spoke about it a little bit earlier. Um, this is the first uh, brand new, the first new year-round beer that Heavy Seas has made since 2003. So um, we spent a lot of time, probably more time on the marketing and the name and, and that than we did the beer itself. Um, my English brewing background. I've been making low alcohol beers for a long time. And we wanted to put a session IPA uh, out on the market that had a lot of mouthfeel, that, that didn't taste thin or watery, um, that, that, that made you think you were drinking a, a, a full six and a half, seven percent alcohol beer, but didn't knock you down. So uh, we do some things with the, uh, with the brewing, um, manipulating the enzymes in the, in the malts. To, uh, to give us a little bit uh, more residual sugar. In fact, the, uh, the final gravity on this beer, meaning the amount of sugar that remains in the beer when it's done, is higher than our 7.5% alcohol loose cannon, which starts at a really high um, original gravity, a, little, a, lot of, a lot of sugar in the, in the beginning. Um, so this one, we, we kind of we, we wanted to find a, beer, a, a way to make a beer that would um, start with sort of a middle range starting gravity, as opposed to starting low and finishing low, we want to start in the middle and finish high. So the resulting beer is 4.5% alcohol, but it had a lot of malt in it. We, we, didn't, we didn't skimp on the malt in the brew, we just manipulated the, the sugars in the beer so the yeast couldn't ferment all of it. Um, then we also didn't want to uh, replicate a beer. Our, our best-selling beer is Loose Cannon, which accounts for about 60% of our sales. So we're a Loose Cannon factory most of the time, and um, we want to make some, some, some other products that are fun. We didn't want to just make loose can of light. So Crossbones was, uh, 
start from scratch. There's biscuit malt in this beer, uh, which we don't use in our other beers. Uh, let's see, there's uh, hops that we don't use in Loose Cannon. There's Chinook, uh, a lot of Cascade, some Equinox, which is a new hop for me, which I'm still on the fence. I'm not necessarily a big fan of it, uh, but I don't dislike it either. It's uh, purported to have lime and citrus aromas, but then it also has this uh, bell pepper uh, aroma to it as well, which jumps out at me. Uh, so Simcoe, which I love Simcoe hops in Philly Pale Ale, I get a lot of mango and tropical fruit from Simcoe. Some people get cat piss from, yes, from, from, exactly. from Simcoe. I do not. So with the Equinox, we, we, got, this, we, we got this brand new hop. It's, uh, I think it was experimental in Brooklyn Brewing, did some, did some work with, uh, with Haas on developing that hop. And we dry hopped Crossbones with Equinox and I, we ruined the beer. So we stopped, like one batch, and we just, to me, we ruined the beer. So we, we, we've talked about, it's an awesome beer, but we've talked about dry hopping a little bit, and just to, if you don't know what dry hopping is, it's most of the time hops are put into the boil or at the end of the boil or into the whirlpool while the liquid is hot, and it absorbs that hop, you know, flavor, things like that. But the dry hopping is done when the beer is uh, cold or at fermentation temperature, and we're going to put it in at that point, and you know it's going to be be absorbed without the aid of any kind of boiling or anything like that. So it, you're we're really just trying to capture aroma and possibly some of that resin that's on the uh, whole hop, whole hop leaves and things like that. So, Look, looking to increase the flavor and aroma without increasing the bitterness. That's that's the idea behind. It. And there are a lot of new technologies for dry hopping too. In fact, we're looking at this hop gun. I think Trogues yeah. has one. So yeah. I think we're going to end up getting one of those where it's kind of like a percolator. So you'll pull the beer out of the fermenter and recirculate it in this giant, uh, three hundred gallon um, heavily vessel, and and it's got kind of a screen in inside, almost like a uh, like a like a coffee filter, but it's stainless yeah. steel. And you just recirculate the beer through the hops for three, four, or five hours, depending on the size. And you extract all this flavor and aroma and oils from the hop without, uh, for us, we're looking for more time. Right now, when we dry hop our loose cannon, we have, we, it needs to stay in the fermenter for about four days. And we're running, we're running into um, tank space issues, so we're looking for ways to cut the time that the dry hop is. And this, this new technology was going to give us save us a day or two, which will allow us, I think every day we save on a batch of loose cannon, we can add 3,000 barrels of production to the whole year. Wow. <laughs> My question was, as more craft breweries are coming online, have you had any problems sourcing product? Um, have you? Not yet. Um, one reason is we're, we are sort of a larger buyer, just, just like these guys, and uh, you know, they want to take care of their bigger customers, and we are buying in advance. Uh, like, we're buying forward hops up to five years, and basically only a year for, uh, for grain. And the only reason that is, that's as far as we can buy in the future, right. or we would be buying more. So. Yeah, we, we had a situation um, this past year. Uh, my predecessor had, Loose Cannon had a different recipe, and he had only contracted Simcoe out for two years, so we didn't have any Simcoe hops on contract, and it's it's just like Philly Pale Ale. It, it's the it's the the most prevalent aroma and flavor. So we we had some serious problems with that, um, and we talked to our supplier, and we just said, look, find find some Simcoe hops for us, and they did. I mean, they just I mean we 
we buy, I don't know, 75,000 pounds of hops or something a year yeah. from them. <laughs> and, and, and we use the same company to do our hops and our, and our malt, and we, we go through 65,000 pounds of grain every week. So, I mean, you're, you're, you're talking, I don't know, 20 grand a week in, just in, in, in our barley, yeah. and, and the barley's cheap. I mean, uh, barley's 30, 35 cents a pound. Yep. Hops are $10 a pound, and, you know, we're, we're, we're buying millions of dollars worth of hops from them every year. Um, and, and we're not the biggest. I mean, we're, we're, we're just almost exactly the same size in terms yeah. of production. We're, we're in 82, 83 uh, in the country, uh, ranked <laughs> yeah. from volume standpoint. Um, and there are 3,400 other breweries behind us. So they can get, you know, they get in line behind us. But we, what we do, and I, I'm, I know these guys do this because I've known Tim forever, um, we, we help the other brewers. So when, when, when smaller brewers can't find hops, the best way for them to find it is to come to us as opposed to going to the supplier, and we'll, we, we always help people out. Right. Or if we even have them at the hop supplier that are earmarked for us, we could even let them go, let's say, like, yeah, take a little bit of out of our inventory for these guys. It's, it's real important, you know. I mean, the brewing community, and that's one thing we'll get to with the whole collaboration part and uh, how we did this, not just for being friends and, uh, you know, enjoying what we do, but... As brewers across the country, we have an affection for one another in a way that, you know, we want everybody to succeed. We're trying as a group to push the ceiling up on, our, on us as, uh, as craft brewers. And if we can do beers together to get more people involved and to get people to have something different and to maybe inspire somebody to do something like we just did, you know, it's, uh, it's real important. Know, for 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 the for craft brewers everywhere so we're we're we we were small we got beat up a little bit more small and then we grew and now we're you know trying to take that uh i guess that you know lead and say hey you know we'll help you out it's great i mean we have probably 20 breweries opening up just in and out just outside of philadelphia and i tell them you know ask me you know, I've made those mistakes. I don't, there's no reason you need to make the mistake if you can just call me up and ask, like, oh, what, why should I be doing this with my electricity? <laughs> you know, little things that, pe that they don't even think about. You know, it's like, yeah, we got electricity. It's like, no, but do you have three-phase? Or do you have, you know, something like that? A lot of them don't, aren't thinking that far ahead. And it's going to only be a year, and they're going to have to really think about it. And if they just thought about it when they first moved in, it wouldn't have been a problem, so... A lot of questions like that that we're doing and helping people out with. And, but and, and we do the same thing. We, yeah. we have wastewater issues, for example, right now. Um, we're growing to the point where we're, we're, we're using, I think, 30,000 gallons of water a day. And the county wants to know what we're putting into the, uh, the sewer. You know, what's, what, what are you guys putting in there? So they'll, they'll test us on a regular basis. So we're looking for new ways to, uh, to reduce our... Uh, Biological ox oxygen demand is a big one. Total suspended solids, uh, nitrogen's an issue, phosphorus is an issue. So I, I spoke to Tim about this, and, and they, re they do some things with their yeast that we don't do. They, they take their spent yeast, and they, they harvest it, and then they, they send it out with their spent grain, which I haven't gotten to that Cows point yet. It. But, uh, yeah, so, <laughs> so I mean, there are all these other tricks, you know, on the, on the large scale that we and, – and the bigger brewers are, are – will help the, the, the not-quite-so-big brewers. So uh, Flying Dog, who makes twice as much beer as we do, 
I just lent, I just gave them some DE, some uh, some filtration medium uh, last week. So you know, even the big guys run out of stuff from time to time. So <laughs> we'll help, we'll help, we'll help brewers bigger than us if we can. Uh, so it's all good. <laughs> no. Well, you know, it, it's funny. When I look at the one, the companies that that's happened to, looking at it realistically, it's like, what's their exit strategy? Are, do they have children they're trying to leave this to? Do they have anything like that? Is there no, did they have really no other way out? And I think that's looked at by, you know, some of the you know, like larger brewers as, you know, we're able to, you know, this is something that's available. And they're marketers, and they are going after the companies that they think, like, well, they're doing this right, but if they had our help, they could be doing twice as much. So I think they're looking at investment, things like that. And, you know, I I'm, love what I do. I wouldn't want to be doing it for somebody else, you know. And I think that's the big thing where you have to decide, but what's my exit strategy going to be in a few years? I think I, I, think I have some, you know, some people in mind that, you know, would might be able to handle the brewery and, you know, make sure my, you know, family is going to be okay with that and everything. So it's not going to be, you know, going to like the big companies, at least I hope, you know, you never know. They come with your really big check. You'd be like, well, yeah, I, uh, our founder, uh, uh, and our, our Tom Keo, uh, who's not here this evening. He was here last night. Hugh, uh, Hugh and he's, um, not to give away his age, but um, he's going to be. He wants to retire in the next three to five years. So, what's the best way for him to do that? Um, I think the best way for him to do that is to make it an employee-owned company. But that's not my decision. Um, some brewers have done that. Harpoon is employee-owned. Um, Belgium. Belgium is employee-owned. So, I mean, there there are a lot of different ways to go about doing. It, but if hey, somebody drops a fifty million dollar check on your lap, you might you might it'd be hard to turn it down. And you know. How can, how can, it can't really begrudge. And the other thing with doing an ESOP, we had looked into that kind of thing, but is that right for the company? Right. You're basically putting the company in debt to buy you out. You know, that's yes. not the right way to do it. I wouldn't think that's the right way to do it. I mean, this company's my family. You know, it makes a, makes a big difference. So, yeah, good question. Cezanne, hey, uh, the only Belgian we have. <laughs> the strongest beer we're going to have tonight. And, you know, it's funny, we were asked to bring two extra beers for the salon and everything, and I, you know, I, we have TJ and Brawler down on the floor, and I wanted something that was, you know, just if different, easy to drink, and Saison just turned out so good this year. I just was like, I got to bring the Saison, and it's, it's a summer beer, it's, um, it's very effervescent, very easy to drink, it has a nice spice going on to it. It's, um, you know, it's just an easy drinking summer beer that turns out to be six and a half percent. And it's, you know, it's got a great nose. Uh, that whole Belgian character really comes through. Uh, slight sulfur. And it's, you know, it's a beer that I just love to chug. <laughs> so we still, we still do that at the brewery. We chug. No. <laughs> just little, little glasses. Though. Any spices in there? Uh, no spices. The yeast, right? It's just the yeast and... Uh, a lot of uh, playing with temperature to make sure you're getting it uh, to get some of those uh, flavors from the yeast to pop out. So, and it's the answer. Ah, <laughs> uh, any yeah.
<laughs> we got a lot. Yeah. We have a lot going on. We've actually put out uh, more products this year than than we ever have. Uh, we just released a summer beer called Smooth Sail Summer Ale, which is sort of our um, low alcohol, fruity, yellow summer beer. But it's American wheat with uh, some lemon peel and orange peel, so it's got a little bit of citrus without having sweetness. Uh, does have a little bit of hop to it, but uh, don't tell anybody because um, I didn't tell anybody. I just did it. Uh, so yeah, that beer is uh, in cans, so it's our first can-only product. Uh, it is on draft two, but no bottles. So it's, it's kind of gone out of the gate pretty quickly for us right now. Uh, so that, that's, that's been uh, an interesting new sort of low-alcohol product for us. And then uh, next month we have our next Uncharted Waters uh, series beer, which Uncharted Waters is our sort of our wood-age program. Uh, the beers are almost always very, very strong. We have Blackbeard's Breakfast Pouring Downstairs, which is a 10% uh, coffee bourbon barrel-aged porter. And yeah, of course they are. <laughs> Heck yes, they are. Yeah, it's just not cool because we don't have a canning line, and we have mobile canners come in, and I want to... Yep, we don't, we don't have a head. canning line yeah. yet either, but... right. As well, soon as we grow the next time, that'll be in yes. part of the uh, So it, it, the, can, the canning is, it, it, if you want to keep growing as a craft brewery, canning is something you really have to be cognizant of and, and, and look at it as, as an option. And we put loose cannon in cans last year and, and kept it in Maryland only. Uh, and it sold f about as we expected. And this year we released loose cannon, crossbones, and smooth sail in cans to all markets. We are in 18 states from Maine to Florida. We don't really sell much in a couple of the outer markets, uh, Michigan, Kentucky, Indiana, but Ohio does really well for us. Florida, we, we, we just re-entered Florida this year, so, um, I'm sorry? There's a lot of advantages to them. They're lighter, they're easier to carry. Uh, disposing of them is a lot easier too when they're, when they're empty. They're really light. Hipsters um, love them. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. But <laughs> they, 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 and they, they also offer us um, retail opportunities, golf courses, yeah. pools, beaches, that sort of thing where, yeah. Going hiking, things like that. You know, right. uh, the cans sell for, you could sell cans for a specific purpose. And, and it, 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 you know, marketing it and putting it in the right places will, will you know, increase, definitely increase your sales and things like that. And I think the great thing about cans is, um, for people that are already doing bottles, they'll take advantage of that. Where some of these brewers, that's all they're doing is cans. Yeah. So it's their only way to get it out there. And um, I'm not wild about the mobile, mobile canning, yeah. but, but it, it's, it's, a way, it's a way to test the market to see if it's, uh, it's going to cannibalize your other products, things like that. And of course, there will be some of that cannibalization. But So now we got, you know, hope that answered it, but... Got the Filtimore collaboration beer for Saber. Just so you know, I preferred Baltadelphia okay. <laughs> to Filtimore. And the label's really cool. It's like but, the Liberty Bell with uh, the Chesapeake is the crack. Yep. So. And, and, and we are. We're right uh, here. We're, we're going <laughs> to. We, we brewed this beer at Heavy Seas. Yep. And we do have a plan in the fall that we'll go up to, to Philadelphia and they'll we'll brew the same beer or similar beer right. uh, in their facility. And that label is a crab with the love from Love Park in Philadelphia in the middle. So we've got, we've got different labels for, for the beer. Um, well, this, this will be in stores 
next week. Yeah. Um, we didn't make a lot of this beer. We only made 60 barrels of it. Right. And um, most of it is, is going to stay in Maryland. Not a whole right. lot's going to Philadelphia, which I don't right. quite understand, but um, I just make it. So. Yeah, and we, did, we haven't really decided whether we're going to do 12 ounce or, right. or 750s because that's how we're set up, you know, not to be able to do the 22s. Right. But uh, either way, you know, we're going to be doing the same thing, probably 50 barrels of it unless. Unless, uh, unless the success of this really talks us into doing 100 barrels of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Will. Excuse me? It'll be, we, we have wholesalers down in Maryland. Baltimore. We don't, in Baltimore and everything, we don't have anybody in D.C. yet. And we will eventually. These sort of collaborations <laughs> are, are they're, they're tricky on a couple of levels um, on the retail side because we have different distributors. So... Our distributor in the Philadelphia market is different than their distributor right. in the Philadelphia market. So we don't necessarily want to take Yard's taps and replace it with, yeah, our distributor does, right. um, but <laughs> <laughs> we don't. Um, so that's another reason we didn't send as much beer up to Philadelphia. We know that we're going to get a good market presence or, or bang for a buck when they release the beer. And, uh, you know, it's similar to what will happen in Baltimore. So um, I get... I'm, I assume you can all guess what kind of beer we decide, what sort of <laughs> style of beer we, we went with here. Yeah, was not Belgian, was not German, was not American, although there was some American to it. Yep. Um, when we started talking about this beer, uh, Hugh Sisson, um, he, he approached, or, or the BA approached Hugh. I think Hugh may have raised his hand. Hey, hey, can, we, can, we, can we do the collaboration train. beer? And, uh, and, and, Nancy Johnson said, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. You guys, uh, she's, she's at the BA, um, said, yeah, sure, you guys can do it. So I, I quickly picked up the phone, called Chuck Silva, Green Flash, and uh, he said no. So, uh, <laughs> so I, called, I called Tom. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> um, we, uh, we thought it would be a really, um, I don't know if fun's the right word, but, but a nice change of pace, maybe. Some of the Saver beers in the past have been these really monstrous, uh, triple this, double that, Imperial Stout, and um, both Tim Roberts and Tom and I, we, we spoke on, on separate occasions, like, hey, what do you want to do if we do this? And we're like, well, let's do something that's not really big and not really dark and something that we want to drink. Right. Let's do something we know pints. how to do. And, uh, something we know we how feel, to do is a good thing. So we, we would like to drink ourselves. And I think that's where... You know, I think our drinking style comes in. Let's say this is what we want to drink, and Chuck didn't say no. He just <laughs> he just never called him back. <laughs> he just never called me back. Right? I Facebooked him like four times. I've been stalking him all year. He's in Hawaii. He's in Belgium. He's all over the place. Uh, we went to brewing school together. So, um, so um, yeah, we we I don't know true collaboration in a way yeah. that we uh, we had to bring hops down. <laughs> You did, you did, yeah. So they brought hops, and we, got, and we, and we used their yeast. So we use, a, we use English yeast in our brewery, as do they. We use different strains. Right. But their, their, their yeast strain's a little bit... Um, uh, ours a little, leaves the beer a little drier. So we wanted more, to leave a little, little more... A little more astery. Yep. Be a little, little more residual sugars. Right. So, so we, we opted for that one, and then we let Tim pick the malts, because he's Mr. Halcyon. Halcyon malts. Halcyon pale malt from... from from England, and Halcyon's the variety of barley, and it's a real nice word because it means, you know, 
the highest point, like when things are really great, it's the Halcyon moment. <laughs> so uh, we use Halcyon Pale Ale as, as the base malt for this beer, and we didn't really add too much else. We, uh, right. we added a little bit of Crystal 40, which was what I wanted. Right. Tim's like, no, I'll Pale Malt. I said, yeah. A little, just do a little sweetness, like caramel, just a little caramel. Um, so uh, did that, and then uh, instead of going all English, we said, well, let's let's do something American or something unusual. So we have Australian hops. It's not American hops, but it's an American thing to do. Um, use something from from another land. So we used Ella hops in the boil, which um, has sort of a licorice, a little bit of earthiness. So. Um, while it's not an English hop, it does have some of the characteristics that, that English hops have. And we knew that we were going to add some wood to this. We, we didn't really want to put it in barrels because that's a lot of work. Yep. And um, so we added oak spirals into the bright tank. After the beer was done fermenting, we aged it on oak as opposed to aging it in oak. We put oak in the tank. We did that for about uh, seven weeks, I think. I, I think I would have liked it a little bit longer, but... There's a hint. So the Ella Hop, to me, was, and Tim, we, we, we decided that that kind of might work together fairly well. And then for flavor and aroma, we used uh, an American hop called Bravo, which is sort of a mild hop. It's, it's not the citrus, grapefruit, uh, Cascade, or Chinook, or Piney uh, American hop that, that you think of. It's, it's sort of a... Clean hop, I guess, is the best way to put it. Yeah, it, it's, it, it doesn't have a real distinct flavor, but it does have a little bit of pepperiness to it, which, again, is sort of English. Uh, so the beer's 5.5% um, alcohol, and uh, it, it actually turned out exactly how we planned, which was amazing. Uh, Tim, Tim told me what the yeast was going to do, and, and it, it really did. <laughs> so uh, it finished the exact gravity we expected it, and uh, it's exactly 5.5% alcohol as we had planned. That's verified. I can show you a notarized certificate that says that. Um, and, uh, you know, the beer, is, the beer is very easy drinking. The wood uh, is a little subtle. It's there, but it's not in your face. It's, it's sort of a dimension of dryness. I think that that makes the beer drinkable. Yeah, absolutely. And it was an afternoon brew, so we had Domino's Pizza on the that's brewing true. platform as we brewed it. So that's always important. You know? Can't get good. Some of these morning Baltimore. brews, you have donuts. And, you know, okay. <laughs> it lends to the personality of the beer. It, it really does. It does. It does. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, in our brewery, it, uh, there's, there's so much noise that we don't have music in the brewery. And that was always historically in breweries I've worked in the past where, you know, the soul of the beer includes the music you're listening to when you're brewing. So, you know, I don't know. What kind of pizza do we have? Do you remember? Just plain? Or is no, it one was pepperoni, pepperoni and the other one was like, you know, had a, some sort of vegetable. Yeah, Pat got us. Our, our general manager ordered <laughs> some kind of vegetable yeah, kind that of wasn't vegetable. a potato. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think he got some kind of like uh, buffalo chicken pizza or some yeah, weird. Yeah, you know, some weird, yeah. yeah. It, um, it was all gone. So... <laughs> Three guys drive down to Baltimore and things he remember the thing he remembers is the pizza. That's great. Important. Yeah. Uh, any questions? Any, any thoughts? Any comments about the beer? Cool. I wish I knew the answer. I'm waiting. I'm really, really interested to find out. There, there's there's draft downstairs at craftbeer.com and then we're all gonna take home a bottle. I think so. you're doing a frickin' tonight. Oh, they are doing a party. I, I can't okay. guarantee that. There, there's a party 
oh. release party tonight after the after <laughs> uh, Saver's over at a bar called Jack Rose. Um, you if you stop by our booth, uh, our our DC sales rep will have more information. But I believe they're tapping a firkin tonight, and Tom's going to drink half of it. There you go. And I'm going to drink the other. Real half good of it. at yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this beer's nice. Uh, fresh. Yeah, you want to drink this fresh? Yeah, yeah. it's not gonna, it's not gonna get better. Yeah. It might mellow out a little bit, you know, three four months from now. But after that, yeah, the oak is just really for that, and you know, the, what it's giving to it right now. So we didn't, uh, we filter our beers. Um, we have a centrifuge and a plain uh, sheet filter. We only centrifuge this beer, and it didn't really need it because the yeast is really flocking when yes, it falls it out, and um, we did it just to be safe. Uh, so, you know, this beer's, uh, there, there's still some live, not much, but. Any other questions? Yes. We don't, as yards, we will we don't do it on a large scale and package any Oktoberfest, but Never. we have a small three-barrel brewery that we started off with 20 years ago, and we're still using that to make uh, like one-off beers for the tasting room and for like events and things like that. So, an Oktoberfest makes it in every year. So, we're we're playing around with it. We're, you know, we're not. We we, <laughs> we have a year-round product called Cutlass. It's an amber lager, which is American style, and it has one medals in the past in the Vienna lager category, but I think it, tend to think of it more like an Oktoberfest. So that beer is always available, um, and it, it does pretty well for us. So yeah, we do some lagers. Well, another hour has flown by here at the salon, so <laughs> let me be the first to thank Chris and Tom for this super interesting presentation. Yeah. There's plenty more beer up there if you'd like another sample. And it sounds like they're finishing up. So um, have a great night. Heckling was encouraged, but nobody did it. That's okay. <laughs>